Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Christ Connection Podcast. I hope that you are enjoying the smile of heaven today. My guest today is Susie Larson. Susie is the radio host of Middays with Susie Larson on Faith Radio. She is the author of 15 books, which is kind of crazy, and also speaks around the country. In this episode, we talk about her book, your powerful prayers. I love the perspective and passion she brings. I think she's just kind of one of those deep wells that you you just draw out from. Uh, I think if you let your uh, heart be open to God speaking to you as you listen to our conversation, you're going to go into your next prayer time with more confidence when you pray. So without further ado, my conversation with Susie Larson. All right, Susie, welcome to the show. Kevin, so good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Uh, it took us a while to set this up, but uh, I'm glad we finally made it happen. Uh, it's uh, good to have you on the on the show. And uh, since uh, this is my job to make you feel hospitable, uh, I thought I'd start with what you do at the beginning of your show, uh, talking about scripture uh, and a key life verse or a uh, verse that God's been speaking to you about recently. Anything come to mind? Well, there's a passage in Psalms, and right now the reference leaves me, but I've read it and prayed it several times, and it says, you've allowed me to suffer much hardship, but you restore me to life again. And that's just been true for me. I've had a lot of hard stuff that I've walked through, but every single time he's brought restoration and redemption and even greater strength than before. And another one, I think it's Psalm 126, I'm almost positive, but he who sows in tears will reap with shouts of joy. They weep as they plant their seeds, but they return rejoicing with the harvest in their arms. And, you know, I've said this before, but that promise has proven to be true 100% of the time in my life. And that is a pretty amazing thing when you think about it. But I've gone out plenty of times with some seeds in my hand and tears in my eyes feeling, you know, jarred by something. And but going, I'm going to find God in this somehow. And I've found him to be so faithful. And he just doesn't allow anything that he doesn't plan to redeem in our lives. You know, enemy is really on a short leash. And yes, in this world, we have trouble. We will have trouble. But God has a plan already in motion to redeem every aspect of everything we endure. I guess I never thought about it from the standpoint of uh, this you're weeping about the seeds you're actually sowing. It's kind of that season that uh, God will redeem the actual thing that you're you're sowing there. Uh, I like that. Uh, uh, how, how's how's it been to? Because uh, since uh, we've been talking, you back on the radio uh, mid mornings with uh, uh, Susie Larson. Hi, hi. How, how's it to have been a step away for a while and then come back? Is that? Uh, that was one of the uh, aspects of my story where I went out weeping, carrying some seeds in my hand. And there was a lot of speculation as to why I stepped away. You know, I 14 years ago started guest hosting. I guest hosted for four years and then Live the Promise was born. And I get I hosted my own show for eight years, as you know. And three years ago, I had a pretty significant health relapse. And I was actually on my way back. So I stepped away last May of 20, uh, 2018 on my way to getting better. 
um, my show was flourishing and doing super well. It didn't make any sense to step away at that time, but it was clear the Lord had confirmed it on several levels that that's what he wanted from me. And I needed to do that. And I don't know, Kevin, if you've ever had those times when you follow the Savior where he asks you to do something that crosses your will. You saw <laughs> gospel preach that it's always like, it's all about your dreams and everything. You know, I mean, God does have a purpose for us, but there are times he will ask us to do things that cross our will that we don't want to do. But I think it separates the men from the boys, you know, the girls from the women, as far as are, how serious are you about following Jesus? And uh, I, he's my one and only and my first and foremost. I didn't want to do this. I would loved my job, but I had to follow him. I knew what I'd heard. And so I went out. And I really had no idea if God would resurrect it. I feel like, you know, of the three things I do with writing, radio, and speaking, radio I feel most made for. It's like breathing for me. I just, I feel like I'm made for it. But to lay it down with no promise that it would be brought back uh, to life again, for, to life again, it was, but it was, that's what it means sometimes, right? To follow him. But eight months later in his redemption, he did. And so my show in the afternoon used to be two hours long or is still. Bill Arnold is doing a fine job in that role. The show that I host in the noon hour is one hour. And it's just, I couldn't have written a better ticket for me and I, I marvel at what God has done. My job, instead of being full-time, is now half-time. But I've got a lot of other things going on with writing and speaking. So this allows me to do what I love while I have margin and I'm seeing fruit in it. And I'm, I'm still marveling every day at how God did that. What I mean, I had no idea. And here he does it. And, I, and I'm so grateful. Uh, when you were in that eight months, now this isn't in my notes, but I just uh, have to ask, in, in that eight months, uh, I, did you were you questioning I mean was it I mean because sometimes when God speaks to me about something and tells me and I'm like cross your will like you said it's like I don't and during that season you're there's a little bit of pushback but uh, did you kind of uh, how was that season for you I guess great great question um, painful excruciating refining beautiful, all of it. You know, as someone had given me a copy of uh, Dr. Alicia Britt-Scholey's book um, titled Anonymous, and it was about Jesus' hidden years. And to be totally honest with you, I cried through the whole book because it was all about when you are kind of cut off and put in a place of obscurity. And when I even talk about that, people go, well, wait a minute, you were still, you had a public ministry on all these other levels, but it's like I had a private suffering. I had a lot of private loss around it, and there was a lot of private pain around it. So that that idea of kind of being severely pruned and cut back. Um, there were a couple of moments where I questioned like, what did I do the right thing? But I knew I did. I knew what I heard. I knew I did. It just was again, not what I wanted, but all of a sudden I started to rest. Suddenly I started to know on a deeper level that um, I'm his first and foremost. And you know, people who read my stuff and hear me talk, no, I say it all the time. You're not what you do. You're someone God loves. And I'm telling you, if again, you're a serious Christ follower, he will allow the things you attach your identity to, to be tested, to be shaken, even if they're good things, so that you remember afresh, your identity doesn't come from those things. You're not what you do. You're someone God loves. So important because I think it affects the kind of fruit that we bear. If we are attaching a value to a calling, it, it diminishes the fruit. But if we are attaching our values solely to Jesus and we abide in the vine and we walk out our calling from that place, you'll bear much fruit because Jesus said, apart from me, you can't do anything. When you, like you said, when the fruit becomes the thing you're going after rather than your relationship, and it gets a little, yeah. you know, it gets to be a hard place to 
to live from. Uh, I wanted to talk today about your uh, book, Your Powerful Prayers, Reaching the Heart of God with a Bold and Humble Faith. Now, I, I was talking before we hit record that uh, I, I talk a lot about prayer around the country. That's kind of uh, <laughs> uh, what I'm, I'm known for or whatever. But, um, so I thought reading another prayer book, I, I, I've read a lot. But this, this is really, not that I should be surprised because I know you, but uh, this, this is really good stuff. Uh, and uh, probably the big thing for me, uh, and I guess it was is kind of the heart of the book, is, is about your heir, uh, being an heir uh, of God and uh, your identity in Christ. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, the, your identity in Christ and that relationship to prayer? Yeah. First of all, thank you for that great compliment, because, I, you know, you hear that. You've read one prayer book, you've read them all. I don't know that that's <laughs> totally true, but I that was a lofty um, endeavor. But I, like you, I mean, I I live in the secret place. My prayer life is the most important thing I think about about me or anything that I do. So um, anyway, thank you for saying that, Kev. But um, so the best way I can illustrate this is at my speaking events, I do this when I'm teaching on this topic, is I have two tables up on the stage, and you you saw them described in that in one of the chapters there. But I have an orphan table and an air table. The orphan table, it looks like a little rickety card table, a little rickety wooden table, maybe a stale piece of bread, a broken plate, and that's it. And the air table is what you would imagine. It's a high back chair with you know white satin and a bow on it and a whole bountiful spread with a candelabra and bread and fruit and bounty all over that table. And the distinction between the tables is significant. And just a caveat, when I do this, and I'm going to say this here, I'm not talking about the literal orphan and the literal heir because God cares deeply about the orphan. You just read scripture, he cares deeply about the orphan, and that's why he's moving on Christians everywhere to do something about that crisis, right? I'm talking about our spiritual status, that while we were dead in our sins, Christ died for us. And before we come to Christ, we are spiritual orphans. And Spiritual orphans beg and plead. And then I say, heirs, pray and believe. And in that message, I move back and forth between the two tables because the visual is so important. Because we tend to, in our mind's eye, based on how we're performing, how we're interpreting our circumstances, we move back and forth between statuses as if they're up for grabs. And the enemy will do everything he can to put him to stand between that air table, you know, stand between us and our status as if he can. And he creates an illusion. But he literally cannot get away with that. But he tries to so that we start thinking like an orphan and we pray like an orphan. But the truth of the matter is when you are in Christ and you've been transferred into the kingdom of God, there exists a canyon between these two tables, a chasm that we don't cross over back and forth based on our puny performance. You know, our choices matter, of course. I mean, Jesus says what you sow is what you grow. I mean, there there will be consequences to your choices. But in the, in relation to our eternity and our identity, it's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. We can't add to it. We can't take away from it. What he d did gave us a place at the table of grace. And so when we come to that place, um, everything changes when we pray from that place. So let's say you've just blown it and you feel like you feel like a spiritual orphan because you acted like one. Maybe you grabbed for yourself. You did something beneath you. It's not becoming of, of what a an heir Christ follower would do. The enemy would love to have you sit there and think about what you've done. And so you picture yourself at the orphan table and he's like, sit there and think about what you've done. And what you do, we do that. We'll sit there and go, oh, and we rehearse our failure 
And what kind of fruit does that produce? And what I say is, no, 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 you've got to picture Jesus going, no, no, don't sit there and think about what you've done. Sit over here and think about what I've done. And I'm telling you, it changes everything. When I think you're actually safest just after you've blown it. Because you remember, again, his mercies and his grace. So you see yourself as an heir right after you've blown it. You're sitting at the table of grace and you're thinking about what Jesus has paid. When you do that with a sincere heart, it will only inspire humility and gratitude. You know, the cheap grace that people talk about is when you're no longer bothered about your sin, when you're no longer convicted over some of the things you did, or when you think my air status is so secure, I can live any way I want without any concern about what other people are thinking about what I do or, or what God might feel about what I do. That to me means a person has lost their fear of the Lord. But when you walk into fear of the Lord and you know your air status, I mean, the enemy hates it. But I'm telling you what, when you pray from that combination of humble boldness, things start to change in your prayers. I like that. Uh even as you described it now, I was thinking about uh, your confidence changes when you walk into a place of prayer. But at the same point, if you if you walk in with confidence, you encounter God, and that can keep you humble. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's why I feel like that humble, holy confidence and humble dependence, I talk about that a lot. I feel like if you can keep those married, you are in a good place because Jesus found humility irresistible, but he also found humble faith irresistible. What stopped him in his tracks over and over again was bold, humble faith or unbelief. Those are the two things you see him marveling at. Like he marvels at unbelief and he marvels at bold, humble faith, you know? And I think when we, I don't think you have to even try to, to stay humble when you continually ponder who God is. I mean, I don't think I've got to try to be humble. I mean, really? I mean, stand in front of an ocean, he holds it in his hand. You know, there's no trying to be humble if you spend ample time pondering the star-breathing God who put the galaxies in place, knows every hair on your head, knows the nuances of your faith, and he delights in every detail. I mean, there's just to me no trying to be humble. You're absolutely humbled by it. But you got to know that that humble heart is a high and lofty place for God to dwell. That's what he says. It's a, his great honor to dwell in a humble heart. Well, and, and humility is uh, is you're having a correct perspective of yourself and God, whereas pride is uh, not seeing that correct perspective. So you lose, you're, you've lost your focus on what is correct. Uh, in the book, you say, uh, let me get it right. Uh, in times of despair, we forget that we're heirs. In times of favor, we forget why we are heirs. Uh, uh, any advice for people who are swinging with that balance? Uh, they're uh, you're going back and forth to keep that in mind so that you don't <laughs> end up in one side or the other? Yeah, you know, as I said, in times of despair, we forget that we're heirs because that's where the enemy comes in. Did God really say? You know, he goes after over and over again your identity and the goodness of God. If he can get you on one or both of those, you will self-sabotage. If you forget who you are and whose you are and how that God is always good even when life is hard, that sounds cliche, but it's just a profound truth. Um, if he can get in between those things and manage, get you to start questioning, you'll forget who you are. And again, you'll make self-sabotaging choices. But in times of favor, we forget why we're heirs. We start to think life is good because we are good. You know, our, our, And that's a scary proposition, but we can so go there if we have times where the wind is at our back, everything we touch 
flourishes, you know, and people will come and say, wow, how'd you get so much power in your life? And the temptation is, well, I have devotions every day and, you know, <laughs> I give my 10% and, and we go right to our behavior. And it's exactly what the enemy wants us to do, because if we're putting that much weight on how high we jump when we fall, he would be right there to accuse us. And it is not a subtle distinction. It is something in our brains and in our hearts. If we are attaching our worth to our, you know, and even the blessing of God to how high we're jumping, we are setting ourselves up for a fall. So I would say when we are in a place of favor, every day get on your knees and you thank God because those seasons will pass. They come and they go like every other season. There'll be a season where you're flourishing and then a season where you're pruned. It's a certainty for the believer that you will be pruned at times. There'll be times of flourishing and times to be cut back and times to flourish. And, and the thing is, Jesus deals with his children, too. There's times of correction, times of redirection. But in those seasons where it just seems like all is going your way. I mean, Kevin, you and I both know this is so often where great people fall. Because they start to believe their own press. They say yes to more things than God is asking. They're thinking, well, if I can be fluid and, you know, proficient in this many things, I'm just going to, I mean, I'm going to try my, try in a movie or I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Pretty soon they're doing beyond what God asked them to do. They're exhausted. They start to take shortcuts and they fall. I've seen it again and again. And so I think have a healthy fear of God in the times of favor and make sure you're only staying true to the things, saying yes to the things he's anointing you and appointing you to do. And then I would bow low. I would pray for those who are suffering. I would pray for those who still are accomplishing more than you are. I think it might keep some perspective for you, but just to remember that, that your life is good because God is good. And he does give us seasons of relief from our trials. I love that you're you're saying when you have favor, you <laughs> people push too hard, uh, and rather than understanding the season of it, uh, is there uh, is there a way to kind of uh, when I guess you you kind of touched on that. And you, if you look at uh, the right perspective, you're gonna keep that in line. Uh, I was just trying to think of if there's a way to uh, not end up. Uh, getting beyond that point, but I guess you can kind of, you know, that's a great question. I would say I would, I would, you know, Kevin, and I both, we both had health battles and, and young in our marriage. I had limes, he had cancer and we both are producers and hit a major wall of burnout, which affected us and our marriage. That was about 17 years ago. So we both have a certain mistrust of ourselves. We both know our capacity to go off the rails with either doing, being over committing. And so something we'd make a regular practice in seasons of favor and seasons of, of refining and pruning is to, if my mentor said, if it's not a capital yes, it's a no. I just love that. So I just think there, that it, there is a way to be proactive, especially if in a season of favor. You know, just don't believe your own press. Don't believe all the praises and don't believe all the critics. You know, get your, your word from the Lord. But then I would say, I would run everything by the Lord. And I'm one leader that I, he's owner and founder of Texan Oil Company, godly man. Anytime anybody asks him to do anything and he functions at a very high capacity, he will never say yes right away. He will always say, I'll get back to you in 24 hours because he said, sometimes it's your ego. Sometimes it's your pride. Sometimes you want to be needed. Sometimes it's the need before you and you're feeling something, you know, stir up and to give it 24 hours, you can say, is this a God assignment? Is this from you, Lord? Because uh, then you're saying yes with the right motive. I, I say walk carefully in seasons of favor because it's all a call of stewardship, just like every other season is. And and realizing that it is a season <laughs> that yeah. uh, that now is not not forever, and uh, yeah. we are we are the servants in that. Uh, that's really good. Uh, 
when you were talking about identity and kind of at the back of the, the book, you talk the various prayers that you had. And one of them I just really loved, I just wanted you to talk about was the alphabet prayer. Uh, <laughs> I just thought it was so cool. You just laugh at me and make fun of me behind my back. <laughs> no, no, I thought it was great. I, I'm the simple guy. This stuff speaks to me. I don't know. It's like, uh, that's kind of my, my, my jam right there. With, <laughs> cause, cause people make prayer such a, lofty thing sometimes and uh, well maybe could you just describe the the idea of the alphabet prayer then <laughs> no, and for the record i you know insomnia is something i have battled over the years and i've had to just try everything i can to help me get back to sleep and one night i was specifically under attack just felt like the enemy was railing in my ear and so i thought i'd start through the alphabet and and picking words that describe who I am because I belong to Jesus. And there's other times I pick words that, that just describe who he is. But just for an example, I would and I would usually pick two or three words per letter. So I would say, thank you, Father, by faith. And this might sound self-serving to some, but it did a lot, does a lot for a soul that's been through a lot. You know, I'm anointed. I'm appointed. I'm accepted. I'm bold. I'm brave. I'm beloved. I'm called. I'm chosen. I'm cherished. Thank you, Lord, that I am destined for things because of you. I'm devoted to you. I've been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness you know and i just go through the alphabet and it does something for my faith and it helps me fall asleep no i just i, I really i do i love that because it's uh, uh, sometimes we uh, make things uh, super complicated when uh, if you're looking for a place to start in prayer if you know the alphabet start there <laughs> <laughs> i even think i said in that prayer before you roll your eyes at me try it because <laughs> it was it's just a powerful exercise on those nights where i i can't sleep so uh, uh, shifting a little bit here, you, I, I was reading, uh, I tried to do my research here, I was reading your uh, latest email letter to you, and you, you said something gets healed in us when we trust God's love. Uh, something comes alive in us, and when amidst the pain we endure, we still believe that God is, that he is good. Uh, and so you're talking about trust, and trust is kind of my word for the year uh, that God's given me, uh, which I don't know if I'm completely happy about because that, <laughs> that puts you in an interesting position because I don't, you know, but... Uh, the word, it sounds like, right? You, you got you to gotta outside your comfort zone. <laughs> and... Uh, but that's what you were talking about speaks about trust. Any advice? Maybe I'm just asking for myself, but uh, uh, on on the process of trust and maybe even uh, looking back on that season where you stepped out, uh, that was a step of faith and trust. Uh, for someone who's like, I need to uh, take new steps of trust, uh, any advice for them? I would say you start with God's goodness and you start with his love. And I know um, trust, well, fear can be uh, an issue around trust, but I, what's coming to my mind right now is, I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Jim Wilder, but he's a brain expert. He's a trauma counselor expert. He's a brilliant, humble, godly man. And I remember asking him about fear. And I said, you know, you see all these statements, put fear under your feet. And I said, is it just a matter of grabbing that thing by the horns and, you know, wrestling it to the ground? And he said, absolutely not. And he said, you know, scripture says there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. He said, when people have had trauma, people have walked through hard things or people are facing things that require trust, he said, fear will rise up. And he says, you no more would send a child into a dark room and say, go face your fears than God would ever ask you to do that. He says, what, what a good father would do for that child would be to pick up the child 
hold the child, remind the child, I'm here. I love you. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. And he just, that child sits in that love and is affirmed in that love. And then together, then the father says, okay, we're going to go in this room, but I've got you. I'm not even putting you down. We walk in the dark room and he flips the light on. He says, see, nothing to be afraid of. And he said, for people to heal and for people to move forward in faith, you got to get into love. So if you're feeling yourself panicky, if you're not trusting, especially if you've got a history of something, either you've walked through something really hard that you've not resolved with God, or you're currently in a situation that just hurts and you're sort of surprised God allowed it, there's going to be a mistrust and a disconnect. And there's it's a little bit of a wound that needs to be healed with the Lord and resolved with God. And I think you have to go after that with God and say, Lord, this really hurt. And I don't still fully understand it. And I know I won't get all my answers till heaven, but will you heal the soul wound in me? Cause it's affected my trust. And then you get into the love place. And that just reflects back to the quote that you read from my email, that something comes alive in us when amidst the pain we endure, we believe God is good. For me, I had to go back again and again and meditate on passages that re- you know reflect his goodness. I had to amidst the hurt, look at all the blessings in my life and thank him for those. And, and it helps you bring perspective. But I notice for me, Kevin, again and again, when I get back into the place of love, I can finally see clearly. In fact, I will say that all my spiritual disciplines, fasting, journaling, praying, reading, whatever, when they become ought to's and should do's like religious practices and stop being a get to, it's because I've lost sight of God's love. It's just the number one indicator that I'm into striving and not abiding. And then I have to back up, retrace my steps and get back to love because Ephesians says to know this love is to be filled with the fullness of God. So I, I, I will say this till my dying breath. It starts with his love and it ends with his love. And his love is the answer to fear. When you start to know that he's so good, then you know his love, it'll be easier for you to trust him. Well, that's, uh, no, that's, that's wonderful. That's, uh, <laughs> that's really uh, foundational to our taking a next step. Uh, I think, you know, uh, Mark Allen Schoolmeister was on uh, the show a little uh, while back and he was talking about that same idea of in the dark and his son got uh, uh, hurt in the dark in his room. And so he had to teach his son to come to my voice uh, in the dark because that's the place place of trust is when you when you trust that voice. And you're talking about mistrusting God and uh, you've touched a little bit on how to is that uh, how to overcome that? Is that uh, sometimes a long process uh, to go back, just kind of keep working back through that? I mean, uh, how, because uh, you're talking about all these steps that you'd have to take. Is that a growing process or can you normally get through that in a reasonable period of time? I don't know if that's a dumb question for that. No, I think it depends on how deep the wound and how uh, deep the hurt and what rehearsed thoughts are repeating in your brain as far as what, I mean, are you offended with God? Have you accused him? Do you feel like something's been broken in the relationship? But I think it's ongoing, but I think there are times where Christians live with that soul wound and don't wrestle with it. And then it's almost like a highway or that's got a break in the highway. You know, you see these movies where there's a car speeding along and all of a sudden you see this big break and like, okay, that's not going to be good in the future. They're going to go down. And the, but I feel like there's sometimes a break in that pathway now there's not any break in his love for you but in the connection and the fellowship and suddenly you feel like something's been broken here and people some people just leave it that way and i think you you've got to wrestle with that and get a connection so that you're back to trust so i think it is an ongoing thing 
so that you're keeping yourself. And you know, Jesus says, remain in my love. That's that John 15 passage again. We've got to remain in that place. And we've got to keep ourselves in that place because our trials, our burdens will try to pull us away from that, that awareness of his love. Well, that's, uh, that's so true. Uh, we can <laughs> we can lose it. Uh, and working on that uh, love relationship is really, and that's really what it's all about anyways, isn't it? <laughs> um, from that place of, of trust, and then you begin asking, uh, you, you said anything worth having is worth praying for. Uh, I, and I, it sounded like a twist on uh, something I heard uh, Rick Warren speak about. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I kind of like yours because it, it broadens it up to uh, not just the places of worry, but the places of anything that you... Uh, desire uh, and if someone's new to the whole process of asking God uh, uh, any recommendations on how to begin to walk into that journey that's a great question you know I, you know I, you'll always hear me say this but I feel like again it starts with intimacy with God where you start you start to walk with him you get to know him I mean every single morning I grab my coffee, I've got three different Bibles and a couple commentaries in my journal, and I'll put some worship music on, and I just sit and I worship first, and I just remind my soul of who he is, I tell him who he is to me, and I just enter into that place of just reflection, of thanksgiving, just marveling that he saved me, marveling that he's already put mercies at my door in the morning because he knew that I would need them, and just getting established in who he is, and then I'll read scripture, and I'll ask the Lord what's on his heart, anything that I can do to serve him, and, and I will pray like a crazy woman for the stuff that's on my heart, but I just notice as I walk intimately with him, even my selfish prayers, he will edit along the way, <laughs> me his best will, and so I, I don't hold back at all, and Mark Batterson said the best thing one of the times when I was interviewing him, he says, when you walk intimately with Jesus, you should pay attention to your desires, because some of those are God-given, and some of those are put there, but I hear so often people self-edit, you know, and just, I don't want to bother God with that, and I think if you think you don't want to bother God with something on your heart, you don't know who God is, and you don't know how capable he is, because if I thought for a moment, I'm not going to bother him with this, because Kevin has much bigger problems to worry about, <laughs> <laughs> let's just say that was the case, right, but that would apply that God only has a limited supply, and it would be selfish of me to ask about my little old thing when you've got these big things that he needs, you know what I'm saying, but he's so true. <laughs> <laughs> and that, friends, I wasn't implying that Kevin or anything. But you know what I'm saying, though, that it's like if we start to, it's almost like either a misunderstanding of who God is or it's false humility. I'm not going to bother God with my little thing. What is that? Because if he's Abba and he's Daddy and there are things that he's entrusted your story to you, and that involves battles and hardships and hurts and desires, and he wants fellowship. And just as a child wouldn't self-edit before they come to their daddy to talk to them about what's on their mind, run boldly into his presence. And there are times he'll say yes, no, maybe, not yet. There are times, Scripture says, sometimes you don't get what you want because you asked with the wrong motive. But that shouldn't keep you out of his presence because if you are intent on, walking intimately with him first, he will bring the loving correction. You know, I often say any gift from his hand pales in comparison to the treasure of knowing his heart. 
And if you start to treat Jesus as a means to an end, like the Santa Claus in the sky and like some preacher gospel that he's just there to meet your every need, and it becomes a selfish relationship, it will affect. He's not bound by your dictates. He won't jump through your hoops. He's good enough to answer some of your prayers. But you've put a line in the sand and you've totally limited what's possible and what you could possibly enjoy just by coming into his presence and knowing him more deeply. But I just think if you're serious about, man, knowing any gift from his hand is falls far short of knowing his heart, of being in his presence, knowing that he himself is the greatest gift. He heals every wound. He fills every gap. His presence is where the fullness of joy is found. And oh, by the way, he still is willing to answer some of our prayers. To me, that is the core of walking with Almighty God. And when you abide from that place and you take serious your walk with him, he will take serious the prayers that come out of your mouth, whether you are two days old in the Lord or a hundred years old in the Lord. He wants fellowship and intimacy first and foremost. And then uh, do you use that uh, place? I don't use is probably the wrong word, but from that place of being in intimacy with him, as a listening time as well for what to ask or is that because yeah. uh, yes because uh, you're uh, you talk about uh, in the book about writing a list of six or seven impossible audacious prayers uh, and and that actually challenged me a little bit because I uh, sometimes I, I I talk so much about the intimacy side that I sometimes I, Try, try. I go to the opposite extreme, and so I have to <laughs> balance myself out. Uh, any, uh, I mean, is that? Do you recommend going from that place and then asking what those six or seven, or do you just write a list of six or seven items uh, that you you want down and start from there? Does that make yeah, sense? A, yeah, yeah. You know, I go through phases depending on what I sense the Lord wants from me, because there are seasons of refinement where He wants more from me than He wants me to ask for from him, if that if that makes any sense, where he's just dealing with me. And I just lay down my desires because I want intimacy. I want to be conformed into his image. But then there are seasons where I feel like he's like, okay, now ask, ask. And I will send some, the invitation and I will ask for impossible things that may have to do with things with my kids. You know, one of the things that I'm asking for that feels impossible is denominational civility in America. I, I'm so grieved for how the denominations divide and judge each other and talk about each other. And as a speaker who crosses these denominational lines, I love people and all these streams of thought. And there are people who tow their denominational line that basically, like, if you're going to do that, I'm, no one's ever had the guts to say this to me, but I see the division. If you're going, if you're going to align with them, I'm not going to align with you. And yet in heaven, we're going to be together. I mean, there are... <laughs> Christian denominations, and it's like the snobbery sometimes I see is heartbreaking, and it's impossible, it seems, but I do know that there's a remnant in these varying Christian denominations who feel the same way, who are praying for some kind of unity where God can command a blessing. That feels impossible. I'm asking the Lord for those who are Democrats and Republicans to care more about their fellow man and the state of our nation rather than towing their company line. That feels impossible possible to me to see kind of statesmanship and unity for the sake of our country, but I'm asking for it. So, but I really, it's now at this place where I walk with the Lord, I'm really paying attention to, is this a season where you're asking things of me or is this a season where you're inviting me to ask some things of you? And when you get into that season where you're asking something of God, uh, you talk about the difference between expectation and expectancy. Uh, Can you talk a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, that was a game changer for me. And I want to say it was 15, 16 years ago. My mentor said, Susie, you've got to discern the difference between these two. She said, Expect, expectation is premeditated disappointment. So basically, you're telling God the bullseye. This is what I have to have, you know, and I've heard people pray, I need a breakthrough in my son while we're camping this weekend by seven o'clock on Saturday. <laughs> now, God wants us to pray with specificity, but when we put deadlines and timelines on God, he's not bound by that. And there's times I've heard people say, I've tried this prayer thing, it doesn't work because they had an expectation. But she says, that's premeditated disappointment because you're setting yourself up for disappointment. And so many people throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, to say, well, I tried prayer, it doesn't work. It's like, no, you try tried getting your way. And thankfully, God's not going to let spoiled children rule the world. So that's why that didn't work out for you. <laughs> you know? And But expectancy is to say there's a mystery to following God, but he is good. And he says faith pleases him. He says his promises are true. He says that he cares about every detail of my life. So I'm going to lay it out on the line. I'm going to pray about everything that is on my heart. And then I'm going to live with this open-handed wonder saying, you know what, God? You're a, you're a breakthrough God, and I'm not going to put any limits on how you may decide to answer this, because most often it's, it's different than I would expect, but it's always better than I'd hoped. So I'm going to live with an everyday expectancy that any day now, I'm going to see you breakthrough. And I'm telling you, as a person who studied our physiology too, physiologically, it is so good for your soul and your brain and your body to look forward with expectancy about that something good's going to happen. And that that's a biblical principle, but it is why it's worked in the positive power of positive thinking secular mindset because it really is good for your physiology i'm not saying that i feel like they miss it because they're they're not empowered by the spirit and they're not grounding things on scripture but it is why people fare better when there's an expectancy that something good might happen and i'm saying we've got a biblical basis for that to say i've prayed thousands of prayers and there's going to be a time where i'm going to start seeing some of these breakthroughs and i already have so i'm going to keep sowing seeds i'm going to keep praying prayers and i'm going to live with this open-handed wonder that even when i forget about my prayer god hasn't forgotten about it and any day now i'm going to see a breakthrough uh, that's so good uh, and we're I want to honor your time, and so we're getting to some of the. I'd like to have a few of the fun other non-topic questions that I like to uh, as we get near the end. Uh, and there, I could call them rapid fire, but not necessarily because you can answer however long you want. But uh, if, as you look back over the last five years, uh, is there any habits, uh, and they can be spiritual or not spiritual, uh, that you've acquired, that you've added to your life, that have helped you in uh, helped you in any way? That Boy, that's a great question. I've I've had these habits for longer than five years, and uh, so I. <laughs> It, maybe it's time to add some new ones. But uh, I, my morning time with the Lord is pretty significant and pretty um, extensive, and I guard and protect that time. Uh, my workouts, I have a little uh, uh, infrared sauna right over here next to me, so I work out and I go hit the sauna, and that, and I pray in that little box. Got your dog barking. Yep. <laughs> Hi, dog. Anyway, uh, my, and my hubby and I, in the morning, after we have our own private prayer times, we come together and we pray together. And that's just bedrock. I mean, that what, everything changed when we started doing that after our burnout about 17 years ago. I'm, and I will tell you just a side note, we're literally managing five times now what we were managing then, but we're doing it with margin and a good bedtime and rhythm because, and we both attribute it to those morning prayer times 
when we're seeking the face of God. And we end our day that way, way as well, just closing our day in prayer. So I would say those are some of my silver bullets is a consistent bedtime, wrapping the day in prayer and opening the day with some pretty significant time with the Lord. And my workouts are just a saving grace for me. So just uh, one follow up on that. Uh, when uh, you and your husband, who also happens to be Kevin, uh, <laughs> who, uh, pray, uh, pray together, is there, is there a, uh, kind of a pattern to it or just kind of however it goes that day? Well, we should come together. Um, he sits on the couch with our pit bull, and I sit at this little round table with all my commentaries. And when we're ready, I just come over and sit with him. And we snuggle up, and I'll say, this is what the Lord is saying to me this morning. And he'll say, this is what the Lord is saying to me. And then we just start to pray. And it's honestly the most awesome thing about our relationship. I, I wish every couple could pray together because we were striving. We were bearing some fruit. We were burning out. We were bearing some fruit, and we were exhausted. And now what we're seeing God do, honestly, with margin, is a supernatural proposition. So I'm just saying, whatever you do as a couple, if you're married— get with your spouse and pray because it'll change everything. Very cool. Uh, maybe uh, we'll go with this. Uh, as you're looking at what God is doing in your life these days, uh, is there something that you're most excited about? Uh, that I know there's a lot. You've got a lot going on. I just Even following you on Facebook, I get dizzy sometimes. But <laughs> And you just said you do it with margin, so uh, that's impressive. But uh, uh, of the things that uh, God is doing uh, with you, what, is there anything that you're most excited about? That's a great question. Um so I received a call from Moody Radio, and I, I work for Faith Radio. That's my mainstay. I work halftime for them. I'm my host of midday shows. But I do, I do some guest hosting on the Moody Radio side. It's a big network. Um, but they've asked me to do a voice tracking, so I would be like their DJ in the, in the middle of the night from like, um, I think it's like 2 in the morning to 5 in the morning. But you voice track it ahead of time, so I'm, I'm not up at that time because <laughs> I have a good bedtime. That's right. Uh, but so it's like about an hour and a half of voice tracking, but it's devotional content. And I have a studio, a radio studio in my house. But one of the reasons I'm excited about that is because FCC guidelines would never allow me to, like, say my website or talk about my books or anything. It's really like I'm a voice in the night. All of these people, and, and they air all over the world. So some for some people, it won't be the middle of the night. It'll be, for some people, it won't be the middle of the night. It'll be the middle of the day for them. But what I'm excited about, Kevin, is because there's an anonymity to it where I have this tiny little portal or a little window of time where I'm speaking to people, pointing them to Jesus, and it's that whole death to self and life to others. Just I like it because I, I constantly struggle with the American Christian celebrity mindset. I, I think it's nauseating and dangerous, and I fight against it all the time, you know, because of brothers and sisters in third world countries who are risking their lives for the gospel. It's so backwards and upside down. And I think our ego would want to feed it, but it's just not of God. It's just not. And um, I'm always aware of that. So I feel like I'm super excited that the fruit, I feel like, and the capacity to be able to talk to that many people from a really small space, many of whom probably won't even connect who I am. Do you know what I'm saying? It just seems like a sacred service and I'm just super excited about it. That's so cool. Uh, well, uh, we're wrapping down and I was, um, before we leave, I like to, you know, you can, uh, where people can 
because on this you can, you know, wherever people can find you, that kind of stuff, or what any final ask that you have. But before we do that, I was just wondering if you'd be willing to uh, pray for our audience. We've been talking about prayer. One of the uh, people I read says uh, prayer is the most uh, talked about but least practiced discipline. Uh, and so if we could just uh, pray for the, the, the people listening before we uh, wrap it up, that'd be great. Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you that you are an ever-present help in times of trouble. We thank you that you're kind and you're true and you're patient, patient and compassionate. Your compassions never fail. Lord, you never roll your eyes at us. You never breathe a heavy sigh. You never are exasperated and wonder why we won't get it together. You're never surprised by us because you know all, you see all, and you love us still. Lord, help us live in a manner worthy of your name. And Lord, forgive us for not praying. Forgive us for self-editing our prayers because we don't trust you and don't know you for who you are. So I just pray you'd increase our capacity to know you, to know your love, so that we can come into your presence with thanksgiving, your courts with praise, and we could come with boldness and humility and confidence, and that we could start to pray in a way from our air status where we see things change on earth, where we see the kingdom come and your will to be done because we know who you are. You know who we are. We abide, and therefore we ask because you tell us to. We want to live that way, God. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for that, and uh, thanks for being with us today. So before we go again, uh, is there uh, where can people find you? Where would you like to send them uh, if they're interested in finding out more and your 15 books and all that? <laughs> uh, and then any final ask that you have of the audience? Sure. Well, uh, SusieLarson.com is my website. We send out a, a daily email blessing for those who want to sign up for it. And then a monthly, it says newsletter. We haven't made the change on the website, but it's a monthly Devo that we're sending out. And those are free. You could just sign up. That's SusieLarson.com. Facebook is probably where I'm most active. Facebook.com slash Deeper Life in Christ. I do morning and evening blessings. I do a weekly devotional Facebook Live and a few other things. So there's a lot of activity going on there for me. Very cool. Uh, well, I appreciate you being on the show today and uh, taking your time, and it's it's been a blessing. Good to be with you, Kevin. God bless you. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation and have at least one takeaway for your walk with Jesus. If you missed one of the resources mentioned or to see any of the show notes, you can find them all at christconnection.cc slash podcast. Again, that's christconnection.cc slash podcast. If you were blessed by the show, here are three ways that God may have you make a difference through the show to help the lives of others. Number one, share the show with a friend. Also rate, review, subscribe to the podcast because it helps spread the word. I don't know why, but that's how it works. Uh, and number two, make a donation or become a part of the Christ Connection monthly team. Uh, just head over to enjoyingprayer.org and click on the donation page. Again, that's enjoyingprayer.org and click on the donation page. And number three, uh, buy one of my books for yourself or a friend. Again, just head over to enjoyingprayer.org and click on the resources page this time. Uh, any help that you give in any of these three areas makes a difference for the kingdom. So thank you in advance uh, for whatever God has you to do. And now until next time, thanks for listening.